I see these days banks are much more confident with renewable energy projects and they uh, already ask uh, the right uh, questions. If energy cooperatives starting in the uh, pioneer phase actually when where they are also looking for opportunities uh, going in a scale-up phase, they can uh, become serious partner in the market for energy development. And so I think also more interesting for a broader scale of banks to, to finance them. Welcome to City Stories, the podcast by Energy Cities. I'm Miriam Eisenman and I'm your host. When a group of citizens or civil servants with no previous experience in financing starts a renewable energy project, finding money can be a huge challenge. Whether it is for a solar installation or a collective retrofitting project, financing any of these is a black box for many of us. We thought we should delve into the jungle of financial engineering for energy communities today. But we also want to understand what this has changed for the traditional banking sector. I have two guests to guide us through some of the basics, how to get started, the different types of financing, how to make a bankable financial plan. So we have Jim William from the Belgian citizen cooperative EcoPower and Ronald Korpershoek from Rabobank. Both know quite a bit about money and where a community-owned renewables project can find it. Jim and Ronald, welcome to City Stories. Hello, yes. Good morning. Good morning. Let's take a few minutes to meet each of you. First, Ronald, you're our banker today from Rabobank. Could you just briefly present yourself and the background of your company? Yes. Uh, yeah, well, I'm Ronald Korpershoek, uh, 57 years old and already working for uh, 33 years at uh, a bank, Rabobank. But especially my um, focus point is uh, servicing cooperatives, uh, started formerly broader with uh, care co cooperatives, uh, living cooperatives, but the last five to ten years it's more the energy cooperatives. So uh, in the Department of Sustainable Innovation, we are developing new products of new services for especially energy cooperatives. Um, that's my working life. I'm also a volunteer at a local energy cooperative in the Houghton, the city where I'm living close to Utrecht. Great. So um, this is kind of a passion that uh, spans beyond your uh, professional life. Let's come to you, Jim, your general coordinator at EcoPower. Uh, now, the cooperative EcoPower might already be quite known to our listeners, as we already had um, your head of communications in our show, and we talked about some of your projects. But please, Jim, tell us a bit more about yourself and what you do at EcoPower. Well, I am all already with EcoPower since um, 1998. It means that uh, there is a long track um, and we have now more than 50 uh, people working for EcoPower uh, in, in the cooperative, uh, which means that uh, there is a lot of coordination and that's my job, coordinating everything and uh, uh, looking uh, to the future. EcoPower has uh, 67,000 members and that's grown in these uh, over 20 or 25 years. Uh, and we also are a supplier of electricity, about uh, 60,000 contracts. And this all takes a lot of time and a lot of uh, uh, money to, to do. Uh, and, and 
most of the money goes to investing in wind turbines, solar panels, uh, and, and now also heat networks. We will come a lot more to how this investment is being done. Let's start now with a fictive, but I would guess realistic case. Let's say I'm a citizen and I have managed to convince several friends and neighbors to start a brilliant solar roof project in my neighborhood. We are, I'd say, a bunch of quite skilled people, but we have no idea about financing. Where do we start finding money? It, it looks like Echo Power in, um, in 1998, <laughs> uh, thinking about a uh, new project. In that case, we, the first, our first project was a wind turbine already. But I would say for a solar project, it would be good to, to create, for example, an energy cooperative or to work together with an energy cooperative and let everybody uh, share within the project uh, by bringing in uh, money, equity, in this cooperative and uh, with this money you can finance your first project uh, if you have later on more projects and larger projects it will also give a lot of confidence um, to to banks and 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 and, and other people um, if you already reach this first project with the money of the people who are living in the neighborhood Jim, you just dropped this word equity. Um, Ronald, can you explain the difference between equity and debt financing? Because these are the biggest and main pillars of financing for energy communities. And it might be interesting for newcomers to better understand what, what this involves. Well, uh, equity is actually the part of the, 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 the financing of a project which takes the highest risks and is brought in by the entrepreneurs, by the people which are founding the, the, the company. When actually, when you are citizens starting uh, an energy cooperative or an energy initiative, actually you are the founder of an enterprise. So you bring in the first part of the capital uh, and for funds or banks, it means that you have a skin in the game and they bring in uh, a second part of the financing. But it's not very defined what is equity and what is debt finance, because, for example, you also have the option of uh, a part of the financing in the form of subordinated loan. Yeah. And Jim, from your point of view, what are the different financing options that are available for citizens and municipalities who want to finance their energy community projects? Well, for example, for our first wind project, in the first place, we search for uh, money of people living in the neighborhoods of the wind turbine, and they uh, could buy share of the cooperative. And uh, in this way, they um, uh, give us uh, equity capital for the cooperative. Um, at that moment, the banks, they didn't know wind turbines and renewable energy very well. It was a long time ago. Um, and, and certainly in, in Flanders, there were not uh, many uh, wind turbines. So it was a very strange thing to do. And they were asking a lot for financing. So in the beginning, we lent some money also from individual people uh, to do the first uh, payments for the, the wind turbine. And then uh, later on, we also had um, a loan from the bank um, but that was already at the moment that everything was so sure that even the bank couldn't ask too many questions. I see these days banks are much more confident with renewable energy projects um, and they uh, they 
uh, already ask uh, the right uh, questions. And also what we learned is that you have to um, give a good uh, financial uh, document, financial plan to to a bank. Uh, They're asking many questions, but of course they also want to be sure um, that they get their money back. And in the beginning we were in a certain way withholding the information, but what are you asking? This is mm-hmm. our project. But later on we learned that you need to give a good plan with everything that you know. And then a bank is very rather confident that you give all the information and then uh, you feel that working together is, is much uh, easier. Uh, That's interesting what you're saying, Jim. And I would want to continue this question with Ronald because so if my group of people wants to mix equity and debt, uh, I guess we will have to start knocking on on banks' doors. So, Ronald, what are your criteria for accepting or not an energy community's application and for saying, yes, cool, we'll we'll provide you with the money? And how does, uh, because Jim was just mentioning this, how does a business plan have to look like so that you think that it's worth being financed? Yeah, well, I fully agree in uh, with, with what Jim says. Uh, it's a cooperation between uh, a bank which is financing, which is working actually with the the money from saving accounts of the same citizens actually. So you have to be very clear. And when you uh, finance uh, uh, an initiative for 10, sometimes 15 or 20 years, uh, how will come the, the money back actually? So a business plan, well, what we call it, it's a business case wherein you uh, explain what will your investment be, uh, what will be uh, your turnover in a subsidy or in the, uh, the electricity price, what will be your costs and what will be the contracts between all these different issues. And that's uh, for the time uh, uh, you are asking uh, finance. And in the Netherlands, it's, it's about 15 years, I think. So Uh, A business case is a clear view on what are the investments, what are the the, the turnover, what are the costs of it, and is there room for paying back your loan? Is there room for interest payments? So if you get clear this business case and uh, contracts which are uh, supporting this business case, well, that makes it easier to, to knock on the door of a bank to get the finance. Representing a city network, I I wanted to know also, Ronald, does it make a difference for your bank if a client comes to you with a renewables project that involves a local authority? Yeah, well, it helps, but it starts with a group of the people which are starting this initiative. So are these people which have different skills in it, so economic skills, uh, uh, people knowing about law, people knowing about uh, uh, energy, especially sustainable energy. We are looking at those people which are uh, uh, the board of management, actually. Second thing is we are looking at what is their business case and is there enough room to pay back uh, the loan and the interest of the, the payment. And thirdly, you look at which stakeholders are they working with. For example, a municipality but also a company which is uh, building the, the installation, buying the energy, etc. So a municipality is, is one of the stakeholders. And the way a municipality is working can be they are supporting, for example, with some money, subsidy. But in the Netherlands, we don't see a lot of uh, municipalities which are really taking a stake 
in uh, a cooperative. Uh, it's quite a difference. Citizens become member and taking a stake uh, in a cooperative is not uh, re realistic. Sometimes you see that they uh, develop a large project and they have, for example, 50% of the project uh, company, uh, the, the, the project limited, uh, which uh, is owned 50% by the municipality, 50% by the cooperative. But more and more, we don't see municipalities which are not taking a stake in it, but supporting it with uh, subsidies or supporting it with a uh, guarantee of the loan. That's interesting. Thanks. And um, Jim, do you see, because I want to stick to that question around local authorities' involvement in, in citizen energy, um, Jim, do you see a particular role for local authorities when it comes to raising funds? If I come back to, to my example of our first big project, the wind turbine uh, we built, um, the, the involvement of the uh, municipality was very important. It was very important in because it gave a lot of confidence of the people to our projects because they supported it, because they had a, a lot of communication about it. So everything what they did around the project was very important. It made it a solid project, a project which gave confidence to people. Um, we didn't get any grants uh, of, the, of the local authority at that uh, moment, um, but there are examples where um, municipalities are in the project for a part. Um, there are examples where they give uh, a grant uh, municipality or the, the regional uh, authority. There are examples where they give a guarantee, uh, which is also possible. Uh, there are uh, very interesting examples uh, because this is in a case where a municipality really wants, for example, that uh, a lot of solar panels are invested and they are very sure that this is what they need in this municipality. And so they give uh, a guarantee that if something goes wrong, they will take over the project and the loans uh, that are on the project. So a municipality has a very big uh, and important role. And for the example I gave, which is the wind turbines in, in, in Eklo, we see now that we have um, a project um, which is very interesting, where the city buys shares from the wind turbine that we build in Eklo, and they provide these shares to people who have problems with the payment of their energy bills. And with the share they get from the city, they can uh, buy the electricity from our wind turbine, which is at cost price. And this is much lower than the, 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 the price they have to pay because they are dropped from their commercial uh, supplier. So they will have to pay a lot less. And with that money they have, they can repay the share. Um, and so it's becoming a revolving fund of the city to get people out of uh, energy poverty. Um, that is uh, one of the um, projects, the pilots, which is in the, in another project, the, the Power Up project. I agree, and there is an important role for municipalities, and especially that the, the, the task we have to do in the energy transition is huge. So we have to de develop large uh, projects, uh, and sometimes you see the commercial developers are on it, 
but we have also to develop the smaller projects. We have also uh, to help people with uh, uh, energy poverty. So it should, should be a, a transition with a maximum of inclusiveness. So a municipality has the responsibility actually to find the boundaries. Sometimes boundaries are by legislation, huh? but to find the boundaries and uh, find entrepreneurship to uh, make this uh, energy transition as inclusive as possible. Great. Thanks a lot. I think um, quite a lot of municipalities start understanding this new role they have. And uh, thanks, Jim, for sharing also this very inno innovative uh, example of those social cooperative shares uh, that are issued by the city of Eklo. I think it's important to remind that energy communities should be accessible to everybody. And that's still kind of a blind spot and also the, the hardest part in getting um, members from the disadvantaged communities. So um, I, I think it's great to know how ECLO is, is going about that to avoid uh, people having to pay upfront um, the, the upfront costs to get a share in a cooperative. Um, now, so I just said the kind of municipalities are, are in the learning curve already for that. What about the banking sector, Ronald? The business model of energy communities, and, and there is actually more than just one business model, is something that the banking sector is still discovering, I guess. I, I don't talk about Rabobank because you might be quite um, advanced on that. But how open and how trained would you say is the financial sector for a community-driven project? Uh, difficulty to say because I don't have the broad knowledge, but uh, I think in the European theater, the cooperative banks like Rabobank is one of the cooperative banks, they are quite close to uh, these kind of uh, initiatives, citizen initiatives. Uh, but I don't think that all the banks are, are in this kind of, of area. They find it difficulty if uh, citizens work together have a different background working together in an uh, energy cooperatives. But I think as a cooperative sector, we can solve this. Uh, we see it in the Netherlands, and I think you see it also in Belgium. If energy cooperatives starting in the uh, pioneer phase, actually, when where they are also looking for opportunities, uh, going in a scale-up phase, and I think EcoPower is one of the examples which has an EcoPower, Working together, combining knowledge, they can uh, become a, a serious partner in the market for uh, uh, energy development. And so I think also more interesting for a broader scale of banks to, to finance them. One type of financing we did not yet talk about, and I'm not quite sure how much knowledgeable uh, one one of you or both of you are about it, but um, what about crowdfunding? Because um, within our city network, we know about quite a lot of initiatives now of citizen energy uh, where people or cities even um, launch crowdfunding, crowdlending campaigns. Um, to get additional funding from non-traditional financing players, let's say, because uh, there, there are quite a number of citizens who have savings on their on their bank account and who are happy to uh, bring that money in for the energy transition. So we, we know about uh, Krzyzewski in Croatia or Valencia recently did that in their um, uh, Las Naves Brien project in Spain. Um, do you know any anything about this more in particular? What are the opportunities or what are the risks of it? 
Yes, as as a citizen initiative or as a citizen itself, I think from both sides, uh, it's, it's part of the finance mix. Eh? But people have to know there are different ways of uh, of crowdfunding. It's it's one word which fits a lot of things. It, it can be crowdfunding in the form of donations. Sometimes that happens. It can be crowdfunding as a subordinated loan, um, and it can also be as uh, in fact. Uh, as as equity, if we yeah. invite people to buy shares of EcoPower, then in fact this, this is a way of crowdfunding, and it should always be seen with the cost that is involved. If you do it yourself, you also have to communicate, which can have a cost or not. And most of the time, certainly in the starting phase, you are surfing on free publicity from organizations and, and everybody who can can give you publicity. Um, but so, such a, a organized crowdfunding platform, uh, they also have a cost and you have to put this cost next to the other ways of funding. Um, it, it's most of the time, uh, it, it's, it can be very expensive. So be aware of that also. That's a good point. Thanks for reminding that there might be some inherent costs that you should look at. Um, so read the small letters as well. Um, I want to close by asking the two of you to give a final advice. I, I think you already gave a, a few ones, but a final advice to our listeners who would want to start their energy community or there's maybe they already have their energy community and they um, have a new project in mind. Well, one advice, there are a lot of advices to go. <laughs> Um, working very good together with all stakeholders, especially the municipality, I think that's one big advice. Uh, and part of this uh, cooperation with, with stakeholders is that you find the knowledge to develop, and I would say that's my biggest advice, to, to develop a sound business case, which is working for all the investors. Your members, you have also the responsibility that if you uh, bring in a loan for your members, that you can pay back and you can pay interest or dividend on it. Jim, what message would you like to shout out to the newcomers in the energy community field? Start with a good financial plan. And if you can find people who want to invest in this, if you find citizens who want to invest in this, then it's already a good start. Um, It's a good start because then you also have the confidence of others, also of people who are further from the project and also of, of, of banks, for example. They are much more confident if there are a lot of citizens who invest, then it's, it's good. There are people who want to give uh, capital, to invest risk capital in this uh, project, then, then it's a good project most of the time. So... Uh, if you uh, have the feeling that nobody wants to invest in this project, not the citizens who live around the project, then probably the financial plan is not very solid. Um, if they are very keen to invest in it, then you're on a good uh, track. So what you're saying is that you should start with actually the social engineering before looking into financing, making sure that people really feel convinced and owners of your project right 
Yes, and and involving people is always uh, making your project uh, much more uh, solid. Uh, doing this on your own, um, and sometimes start with a small project, prove that you're capable of doing it. That's also a good uh, idea. Thanks so much, Jim and Ronald, for sharing your expertise and advice on how non-profit energy market players should prepare their financing strategy. It is a very complex topic, and I hope we made it slightly more understandable for newcomers. Obviously, we did not talk about all the instruments that are out there for energy communities. We tried to focus on the financing schemes that are the most common in, in European countries. But for the listeners, if you wish to find additional financing sources in your country, You can also look into things like um, tax incentives, renewable energy certificates or specific local bond mechanisms. So there's quite a lot uh, of this out there. And for those who want to delve deeper into the topic, there are a few really good resources as well. This even includes a short guide for banks. This is for you, Ronald. Um, I'll link all this up in the show notes. Thanks, Jim and Ronald, again for taking the time. Our pleasure, I think. Yeah, pleasure. Nice meeting. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners for listening and don't hesitate to share this episode with friends and partners if you've enjoyed it. Bye-bye. This episode was produced with support from Scale 203050. Scale is an EU project which makes collaboration happen to get many more energy communities up and running. The people behind Scale 203050 work on a methodology and toolkit for citizens, cities and policymakers. If you too want to see more local energy communities across Europe, check out the toolkit and explore all of the project's resources at the website scale2030.eu, scale with two C like in communities, s-c-c-a-l-e-2030.eu. And SCALE is actually funded by the EU's Horizon 2020 program. Thanks for tuning in.